Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hesline. Hey, Meredith. Super happy to be here. And it's Halloween week. So how exciting is that? It's so exciting. Um, all of our pets have costumes. And then Dave and I just got our costumes as well. Uh, do tell. So we'll start with Dave and I because it's less exciting, but they're <laughs> they're kind of cop-out costumes, but for like, I mean, let's be real, Halloween is at the end of October, so we want, we're dressing for comfort and dressing for warmth, mm-hmm. um, and we both have sweaters accidentally that are like somewhat identical, except mine has cats on it and his has foxes on them, and so it's like, they're like cozy winter like knit sweaters, they're very cute. Um, so I he got that. fox ears and I got cat ears. So it's like it works as like a couple's costume, I guess. There you go. Minimal effort. You're comfortable. It sounds exactly. perfect to me. Yeah. We used to be like onesie people, which I like is the best mm-hmm. kind of costume because you're warm. You probably have pockets like you're super comfortable. Anyway, um, the cats are going to wear their costumes from last year. So Luna is going to be a bat. She's our like mostly black cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Olive, who's our cat with like a little white spot on her nose, is going to be a skeleton. Aw, cute and spooky. Yeah. And then our new pup, Lucy, who we had for a month on Sunday, uh, she's going to wear Ruthie's old Winnie the Pooh costume because we don't know how she's going to do with costumes. So we'll like right. just test it. And she kind of looks like if she were a bear, she'd be Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> um, and then lastly, Ruthie's going to be a snail. A and if snail. you Google like snail dog costumes, it's really cute. <laughs> Can't say I've heard that one before. So there better be pictures on Instagram. I'm excited oh, for this. I mean, of course, it's 
I just adore like the variety of dog costumes available. Cause like when we first adopted Ruthie, like there were creative costumes, but she was like a pumpkin and she was like a bee. Right. Classic. Um, or a hot dog. And now it's like snail. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that growth. I love it. Yeah. Turning into an invertebrate. Uh, slowly but surely. How about you? Do you have any costumes in mind? Um, right now, honestly, I've been procrastinating this for so long, so I still don't have anything. I'll probably have to Amazon Prime something uh, to get it in time. So we'll see about that. But for my dog, Rosie is a 80-pound golden retriever. So it's just difficult to find a costume that fits. Like she'll need like a triple XL and like it's just a struggle to find that and honestly she doesn't really like wearing anything anyways so she'll probably just go as Rosie this Halloween yet again. Well now is probably the appropriate time to address discriminatory sizing in dog costumes uh, because it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, However uh, also I'm going to give a shout out to Chewy. Um, So we ordered Ruthie's snail costume a size too small And at this point in my life, I should have known better, but I called them and I was like, hey, can I return like this costume and exchange it for a larger size? And they were like, well, actually, we prefer you not to send anything back to us. Can you just donate it to your local shelter? And I was like, I sure can. Like, (laughs) thank you so much for the opportunity. That was very nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we do have a lot to get into with the show today. I wanted to start things off um, on a serious note. Um, Before we get into some other topics, we did want to take a moment to recognize Brittany Griner, whose appeal on her nine-year prison sentence was denied by a Russian court this week. Um, We believe this is not justice. She is not a pawn. She's a person. Uh, And we are just at the end of the day hoping that there is a resolution that involves her getting her freedom soon and enabling her to return to her family here in the U.S. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that Meredith just said. It's just a terrible situation, and I really hope that something can be done soon. I mean, I, I don't know how she's getting through this right now. She's very strong and very brave, but yeah, continued thoughts for her and hopefully she can come home soon. And it had to be said, like we say at the top of every show, we're two girls talking about sports. Um, and, you know, it would not be right for us to go this show without acknowledging that this is a huge miscarriage of justice affecting Brittany and many others in her life. Um, but we do want to talk about some things related to sports. So for today, we are excited to have you on the show, Megan. Um, and we do have some fun things starting off with our Monday night football game to discuss. And Justin Fields uh, finally seemed to get that win that he deserved on Monday when the Bears took on the Patriots. This just made me so happy for Justin. I feel like this was finally the game where everyone saw what he's all about. I mean, I feel like we all know he's a great quarterback. He's so talented and he just really got screwed over, honestly, by getting drafted by the Bears because they've just been letting him get crushed and sort of just, you know, making him look bad because they're just losing week after week and it just looked hopeless for him. But on Monday night against Bill Belichick and the Patriots and just blowing them out, I mean, it wasn't even a close game. He just looked amazing and I am so happy for him. Hopefully this kicks off a nice little win streak for the Bears Um, but yeah, great win for Justin Fields. 
Totally agree. And being in Chicago, it feels like folks are giving Fields the benefit of the doubt and recognizing that it's not really his fault that there's been something of a coaching carousel, something of a revolving door at offensive line, um, certainly not getting the protection that he needs, um, which has to evolve because he is a mobile quarterback. Um, and it just felt really good to see that happen on Monday night, especially after like a really painful Thursday night performance a couple weeks ago um, that really concluded with Fields kneeling on the field as time expired um, and a pass that he threw what for what looked like a touchdown was just short. Um, so hopefully this is the start of bigger things to come. And also selfishly, people in Chicago are a lot happier when the Bears win. Um, so Fair enough. I'm, I'm hoping for all of these Keep things. Going. Yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> um, and I've decided I'm not going to be a Browns fan after week 11. So – I, I'm choosing between the Bears and the Bills. I think I'm like okay. leaning toward the Bills because they're kind of a hopeless franchise similar to Cleveland. But, <laughs> um, you know, the hometown team has some merit as well. Uh, but speaking of that game, one of the big takeaways was less so Fields and more so an apparent quarterback controversy for the Patriots between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Yeah, this is just so interesting to me. I mean, it just seems like the Patriots are in shambles, which I haven't said that in my two decades of life because Tom Brady's obviously always been the quarterback. But I don't know. It's just a very weird season because Mac Jones obviously had a phenomenal rookie season last year, not the same this year. Then here comes Bailey Zappi out of nowhere. And he he really did fill in well for Mac Jones while he was injured. But then during this past game, he like kind of fell off a little bit, you know, through a couple picks. Um, so I'm wondering, is it kind of like a Cooper Rush situation? You know, he fills in well, but then, you know, once he's really counted on, he kind of falls apart. I don't know. Maybe it was just a bad game for him, but. Very interesting situation in New England. Yeah. Cooper Rush, Matt Flynn, kind of the token example of backup quarterback trying to probably get a starting role somewhere mm. else. Yeah. Um, so very interesting. A couple points there. I don't know if you remember this, Megan, but we actually – this is not the first time we're talking about Bailey Zappi. We talked about him last year um, when – while at Western Kentucky, he broke Joe Burrow's all-time passing yards oh, record, I believe. Yeah. And of course, ended up getting drafted. Everyone was like, Who is this? who is this guy? Right. <laughs> but you know, he has these fun stats to his name and he obviously had a great performance. Uh, I think it just goes to show if you look at kind of the collective set of NFL quarterbacks, sure, some of them are from big name schools, but then you also have the total randos like Hey, Josh, Josh Allen, Allen from yeah. Wyoming. Um, so, you know, very, very cool for him. I do hope he works out somewhere. Hey, Cleveland sure. needs a quarterback, as we've discussed many times. <laughs> um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I actually didn't realize this until this morning, but apparently one of Mac Jones's interceptions that he threw hit the sky cam or may have hit the sky cam. <laughs> What? It's a very funny video because it just looks like his pass is like following along the wire. 
And then someone like super zoomed in and saw it just like bounce this little <laughs> bitty amount. And it's like, well, yeah, that in a game of inches that's as precise as NFL football, that will make an impact. That's kind of impressive, honestly. That he hit the wire? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> it's probably harder to hit the wire than a receiver. I don't know. Hey, for him these days, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, the I don't know if you watched the Manning cast on Monday Night Football on ESPN too. Um, I kind of switch around from the regular when you know I need a break from Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I go to the Manning cast, but I don't watch it the whole time. I see kind of clips of it. Yeah. Well, that was my situation. Was I was like I can't deal with those clowns at all. So I'm just going to watch exclusively the Manning cast. And I feel like this is probably why I missed some of the high points of the game because they're just chatting with like Barack Obama and Bill Burr, um, which is pretty cool. Random. I mean, well, it was very funny because our dear friend Cam Johnston last year obviously had this whole thing where people were like, wait, is Bill Burr punning, punning for the Texans? So Eli Manning brought this up to Bill Burr during Manning cast, which That's is hilarious. so funny. But anyway, uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the Manning cast. Was like I just literally turned on ESPN two, having no idea what to expect, and all of a sudden Barack Obama was there with Peyton and Eli. I love it. I love the Manning brothers so much. I I really will have to watch it more. I'll do that next week. Well, what was so funny was everyone was wearing a quarter zip. Oh, I saw that picture on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I mean, Classic. they they all wore it well, like very different like mm-hmm. looks, but still like a very like coordinated quarter zip thing going on. Yeah. Maybe that's the uniform for Monday Night Football. I mean, I prefer it to like the like dudes in suits, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like Chris Collinsworth kind of started the quarter zip trend. Right. I mean, it just makes it more relaxed, like – just chatting in our living room about football game. If Bill Belichick can wear a cutoff sweatshirt to coach on the sidelines, I think that they can wear quarter zips to commentate. Fair enough. I agree. <laughs> well, moving on. In other NFL happenings, uh, this happened on Sunday. Did you see the video of the refs appearing to ask Mike Evans for his autograph? Yes. And then the explanation that they came out with now, I, I feel like it was – way too detailed to be true. I mean, is something about he wanted like golf recommendations or like a phone number? Give me the details on this. Yeah. So apparently the ref wanted to give Mike Evans like his golf instructor's phone number and he didn't have a piece of paper. So like that was why the second ref came in and gave him a card to like Hmm. write it on or like Mike Evans was giving it. Like that was what was confusing to me. However, I want to say that like I desperately want to believe the explanation because I love the scenario of like refs, you know, in between plays chatting with the players and Mike Evans being like, oh, hey, like I need a golf coach. And the ref being like, I got a guy for you. Like, I love the idea that these are the side conversations. Yeah. Like that just came up during the game, like completely focused on another sport right now. But then obviously Mike (laughs) Evans still, you know, he's still a great receiver. So it's a very funny situation. And I mean, the refs aren't being punished. So they, everyone must believe the story I mean I guess it's also too detailed not to be true so 
it could go either way. I guess I'll be on the good side and believe that just wanted a golf pro uh, recommendation and the refs gave it to him. Yeah, why not? I mean, we hear like the mic'd up conversations that are just as absurd True. from players in the huddle and uh, – why not? Why not include the refs <laughs> in the scenario? And also just given, I mean, the officiating, the bad calls this year have been so, so bad that I do just want it to end and I want something positive to happen from the officiating world. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see a player getting along with the refs, you know, to this point of you know, getting a recommendation from him. So yeah, there are some good refs out there, I guess, at least off the field. <laughs> I mean, most most of them are probably good, and we just get anchored on these really, really bad calls that have an impact. Um, but, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's all for the best. But speaking of Mike Evans, we got to address what happened in Tampa Bay, scoring three points against the Panthers. The Panthers, who literally have nothing anymore. Baker Mayfield did not start. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. Their coach is gone. Who did they lose to? Who did the Patriots lose to? Or the Patriots? Who did Tampa Bay lose to? Literally, this is this is bad. If I was Tom Brady right now, I would be absolutely freaking out. Like, he came back from retirement to lose to Carolina, to their third-string quarterback, and he didn't even score a touchdown. I mean, the Bucks are just in absolute shambles right now. I'm kind of living for it because obviously I'm not a Tom Brady fan. His Patriots destroyed my Jets for years and years. So it's nice to see him kind of, you know, not be so successful all the time. But it's just very weird because the team still has a ton of talent. Tom Brady is still the quarterback, yet somehow they are losing and losing badly to, honestly, the worst teams in the league. So I don't know what can be done, but something needs to change. Yeah. Bucks are three and four right now. Far cry from just a couple years ago when Tom Brady took them to a Super Bowl. And it, it is so funny, to your point earlier about, Tom Brady always being on the Patriots, it's still my default. I still just think of him as the Patriots quarterback. Yeah, honestly. Probably will forever. He probably wishes he was too. (laughs) Well, I mean, after what happened, I don't know. You got kind of these young startups. And Jamie and I talked about this on the show last week, but kind of this evolution away from Brady, Manning, Rodgers to a degree. And remaining in the league, Brady and Rodgers obviously being less interesting now than the Mahomes-Allen cohort and -hmm. how this new rivalry is just so much more intriguing and the games are so good comparatively. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, all good things have to come to an end, right? Um, And at least we have Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes to entertain us, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have a slew of great young quarterbacks. And I mean, it's just kind of interesting to see the way that Brady and Rodgers are kind of just not doing well this season at all. I mean, no one saw it coming. I didn't see it coming personally. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how or if they bounce back. Yeah. I mean, I think especially heading into the season, we thought like there's obviously controversy surrounding Aaron Rodgers. It was clear he 
was a little bit fed up with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you thought that he would have another year. You thought that he would just kind of will his team to win and similar with Tom Brady, but not so much. Packers are also dropping games lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but want to get back to the Panthers. Uh, and I mentioned Christian McCaffrey departing. Just absolute what felt like a meltdown and going back to square one so early in the season. But Christian McCaffrey really going kind of where he wanted to be all along and going to San Francisco, um, which is very interesting to me. What are your thoughts on that trade? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great for McCaffrey. He just he wasn't going to win in Carolina, period. <laughs> like he was doomed there. So it's nice to see him get to a team that, you know, has a shot of winning each week. And it's a great addition for the 49ers as well. I mean, they needed a running back and McCaffrey's there. So it's good for him and good for the 49ers. Um, The Panthers, now they have, like you mentioned earlier, literally no one on their team now. But, I mean, hopefully, you know, they get something with their draft picks, but we'll see. Hopefully they, you know, do well in the draft. But as for McCaffrey – Hopefully he stays healthy. That's all I'm looking for because obviously he has trouble with that. But we'll see. I'm curious to see how he fits in more with the 49ers offense as he spends more time with them. I saw someone tweet that the 49ers now have a receiver who can line up at running back and a running back who can line up at receiver, which makes covering the 49ers offense an absolute nightmare for opposing defenses. And it is just so interesting because – neither McCaffrey nor Debo Samuel are really traditional players at their positions. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, you know, 49ers have been a little bit hit or miss early this season. They've been dealing with injuries as well. Uh, But they might be the team in the NFC by the end of the season when they can put these pieces together. So lots of interesting things to watch for. I would not want to be the defensive coordinator when I have to play the 49ers. So that'll be interesting for sure. I'm excited to see how they figure that out. Yeah. Uh, Well, the good news is for the Panthers, they do maintain that strong defense that Matt Rule brought in. Um, Mm So (laughs) at least they have something going for them. (laughs) Yeah, and they they did hold Tampa Bay to three points, which, you know, is pretty cool. Um, But anyway, so Tampa Bay losing to the Panthers is our rough transition into this week's edition of our new segments, dog segment of dogs versus cats. Um, So if you missed the show last week, we went through all of the mascots in the FBS and put them into Team Dog and Team Cat. Um, So overall, we have 13 members in Team Dog and 20 in Team Cat. Um, as you can imagine, there are a lot of tigers and wildcats out there. This is so funny. I love this. Um, I wasn't on the show last week, so I just now learned about this segment. And this is so fun. I mean, it's a good way to see everything happening in the college football world in a little dog versus cat fashion. So let's get into it. In the end, like we're kind of cheering for all these teams when we think about them as dogs and cats, right? Um, Well, unfortunately, Team Dog struggled last week. Uh, They went three and seven. They had three buys. Um, Team Cat went an even eight and eight with four buys. Uh, And then Team Cat took the only cross species head to head (laughs) matchup. Um, The Ohio Bobcats beat the Northern Illinois Huskies. Um, And then 
I realized I should have seen this in advance, but we did have a dog v. dog matchup uh, between Fresno State and New Mexico, um, and the Bulldogs did come out with a win over the Lobos. Wow. What a wild, a wild week with dogs and cats. <laughs> it was wild because most of, I think all of the cats are non-domesticated and the dogs were running about like 50% domesticated versus non-domesticated. I love uh, how invested you are in this. I mean, <laughs> no one should be surprised. <laughs> True. Um, Megan, what do you think the most common dog mascot is? Ooh, I feel like it's got to be bulldogs, right? It certainly is the bulldogs. Okay. I really thought that it would be like the wolves or the wolf pack. And technically, oh, okay. uh, if you take the wolf species, there are a lot of wolves, but they call them like lobos and things. Okay. I did not know what a lobo was before today. So. A lobo. I actually, I had to look it up. I thought it was a coyote, but it is in fact a wolf. Wow. Like a, I, it sounds like a colloquial right name for a wolf <laughs> in New Mexico. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. But certainly uh, we will have a dog v. dog matchup coming up that we all care about. Two domesticated dogs, in fact, uh, when Tennessee faces off with Georgia shortly. Ooh, that'll be a battle. I'm excited for that one. It will be. When it comes to the mascots, like I don't know who I want to win. I, we, I talked with Jamie last week. We're both big smoky advocates. Um, I'm a, Uga is I'm a also Uga girl. a very. I hmm? love Uga. I, I don't know how I'll choose. I just want everyone to have fun. True, very true. In this, in this case, I do want everyone to have fun. <laughs> Can get along on that on that point <laughs> when it comes to the dogs. Yeah. Uh, we do have to pause and take a breath because we're going to get into Ohio State's performance against Iowa from last week after a short break. So stay with us. I think we all expected Ohio State to come out with a big win over Iowa Saturday. But a lot of folks, I will raise my hand and say not me, but definitely my husband, were shocked by what we saw in the first half against the Hawkeyes. I, yeah, I was very concerned. I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous about CJ Stroud. He did not look like himself. And obviously it's because the Buckeyes haven't played a team like Iowa all year, you know, talking about their defense. And it was very nerve wracking. I mean, obviously opened the game with an, a pick, but then our offense, they were shut down for a minute um, by their defense. But of course, they got it going and it was all good. But I was nervous for a moment there. And I mean, it in many ways, it was the perfect situation because it was a home game for Ohio State. Iowa and Kinnick Stadium can actually be a very intimidating environment, mm-hmm. um, as we saw in 2017. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But and also Iowa's offense is, as we'll talk about, like it's not even anemic. It's like what's what's a step beyond anemic lacking red blood cells entirely I don't yeah. know but their offense is so so bad that it was really a fortuitous situation that Ohio State played maybe the best defense we'll face all year um kind of with those other factors involved because it did give 
what is and remains a very, very good offense, a chance to test itself against a very good defense. Yeah, that is a good point. I'm glad that we did get to face such a good defense um, at this point in the year because that's who we're going to be facing, you know, once the regular season ends, once we face Michigan at the end of the year. So it was truly our first real test on offense, and it took, you know, some time to adjust to it. But once they did in the second half, you know, Stroud threw four touchdowns. So if that's how we play against one of the best defenses in the country, I'm very happy about that. And I think we did learn some things about Ohio State's offense, maybe some strengths and some weaknesses. I think that red zone efficiency uh, is absolutely something that became a little bit more clear. (laughs) Iowa regularly – Ohio State forced six turnovers, first of all, um, including several deep in Iowa's territory. And Iowa's defense is so good that they held Ohio State to field goals. Um, in many of those situations. Uh, mm-hmm. But by the second half, I was impressed that, you know, certainly Iowa's defense got tired, but Ohio State was able to start exploiting um, those deficiencies that do exist in the Iowa defense, uh, you know, going for short plays instead of the long play. Uh, Iowa tends to not give up the long play so much. Um, and having these longer sustained drives that take a really long time that maybe are not the usual fare for C.J. Stroud in the offense. Yeah, it was definitely a different look because before this game, our red zone efficiency was one of the best in the nation. I mean, I'm pretty sure we scored every time we were in the red zone up to this point. Well, even up to this point, we are still the only team in the FBS that has 100% red zone efficiency in terms of scoring. Um, The difference here was that in the red zone, they were kicking field goals instead of touchdowns. Um, But no, you're exactly right. Like Ohio State still manages to get it done and put points on the board. It's just three instead of six. Yeah, which, hey, I mean, obviously we all prefer touchdowns, but it's a good thing we have the best kicker in the nation in Noah Ruggles, who scored 18 points. Like that is just wild. He kicked four field goals, so he kept us in the game too. So when we struggle a little bit to get going on offense, at least we know that we have a kicker that we can rely on. Especially, yeah, in the first half, Ruggles was the player of the game, Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion. Player of the first half, we'll say. He was Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week, so he got an award too. So good for him. (laughs) Well, once the punter wins, you know, you got to follow it up with the kicker. (laughs) Um, Also, I have to ask, do you remember, you grew up in Columbus as well. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the Ruggles ice cream song? No. When was this? I don't know. It was like maybe like early 2000s like oh, it's probably before like, my time because scoop scoop yum yum ruggles ice cream premium anyway mm-hmm. um well so let's bring it ruggles, back <laughs> i'm not gonna sing it but Dang last it. year when ruggles transferred in i was like oh ruggles like the ice cream and <laughs> my darling husband again from iowa was like no idea what you're talking about and then i sang the jingle and he was like i still have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> but anyway now when ruggles kicks a field goal we say scoop scoop yum yum Aww, um, how cute. maybe not dave this week because he's an iowa fan who right. definitely thought that iowa was going to get they did get destroyed but thought it was going to be much worse than it was especially in the first half um But speaking of why he thought things were going to be so bad, like the Iowa offense was 
even worse than advertised. I mean, how bad is it that the very first play of the game, interception? Like, you just know from the start, like, wow, it is going to be a long day. And it definitely was. I I mean, six turnovers, six, that is just, I mean, obviously our defense, great. Love our defense, but also, obviously, that just means Iowa's offense. It was just, they cannot find a rhythm. They just looked lost out there. Absolutely. And not only an interception on the first play of the game, a fumble on the first play of the second half when they put mm. in their backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they they try to make some changes and it still, still didn't work. I just, poor Iowa. Poor Iowa. I saw someone tweet, think of the children. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. that's funny. Um, they're children of the corn, so it doesn't count. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I did want to ask Megan. So given what the defense was facing, is there anything we can take away about Ohio State's defensive performance on Saturday? Honestly, I was just happy overall with everyone on the defense. I mean, Zach Harrison on the line had one of his best games that I've seen this far. And then obviously Tommy Eichenberg is just a menace. I'm so glad that he got a touchdown. How fun. And then going to the DBs, I mean, Tanner McAllister, this guy, he is proving to be huge for our defense. Um, Transferring in with Jim Knowles from OK State. And now he's just really He's just really shined recently in two picks um, against Iowa, in addition to Lathan Ransom, who was named a Thorpe semifinalist. So, wow. Yeah, wow. I know. So just from top to bottom, I was just so happy with everyone on defense. And they're just looking really good at this point. And obviously a huge 180 from uh, last year at this point. So I'm very content with where we are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's those are all great points. I think it's great to know that Ohio State's offense or excuse me, Ohio State's defense did give up only three points. I feel like to your point about Jim Knowles coming in and really turning things around last year, even a mediocre Iowa offense might still have snuck away with a touchdown. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, certainly no huge mistakes for the defense, um, which I think is all you really can expect against what they were facing Saturday. But moving on and wrapping things up, uh, we do have Penn State coming up Saturday, number 13 Penn State on the road in Happy Valley. Um, What are your thoughts for the game and final score prediction? So there's no whiteout this year, which I am very thankful for. Um, But even without the whiteout, it's still such a difficult environment to play in. You know, Day said that in practice this week, they're cranking up the music. Um, to kind of emulate that environment. So it'll be close. I mean, I don't know the last time that we actually blew out Penn State. So it's going to be a battle, obviously. But I think we'll definitely come out on top. Um, Final score prediction, I'm going to go 35-21. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. 35-21. I think that's a good call. Um, I am anchoring on Penn State losing 41-17 at Michigan. Mm. Um, I feel like just to be different, I'm going to say 38-18 to 18 Ohio State. Okay. 
Um, but yeah, I think we're both thinking probably in the same ballpark of scoring. Um, yeah. The Buckeyes will – Penn State's defense is not as good as Iowa's, but Penn State's offense will not make the same mistakes that Iowa did to put yeah. Ohio State deep in their own territory. Um, so I feel like they won't score as many points and the defense will probably allow more points. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State does have a really strong rushing attack and – Sean Clifford, you know, he's not the flashiest of characters, but he is a sixth-year super senior quarterback. Yeah, he's played forever. I know. And he was Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week um, last week against Minnesota. Um, So they'll be competitive, but I do think Mm -hmm. Ohio State will come out with a win. I I looked this up last night. I think the largest margin of victory in the last five years was like 11 points. Um, Last year we won by nine. Like certainly not not a lot at all. Mm Mm-hmm closer than most other Big Ten opponents. Uh, but to your point about the whiteout, um, I think Penn State hopefully got it out of their system last week against Minnesota. Uh, yeah, they got to be tired. Come yeah. on. <laughs> maybe just a bit of a hangover. Right. <laughs> heading into this week against Ohio State. But yeah, a tough win, but hopefully a win for the Buckeyes. Indeed. Before we wrap up the show, Megan, do you have any shout outs? Yeah, so... I'm so sad about this. I want to shout out the Jets running back, Brees Hall. He's a rookie, and he was doing so good this year. I mean, he's one of the best backs in the league, and he's only a rookie. But he tore his ACL, and he is out for the rest of the year. So very sad for him. Also very sad for the Jets offense because without him, I'm very nervous to see how we do. But, hey, kudos to a great season for him. Hopefully a speedy recovery. But, yeah, just wanted to shout out. We'll have to discuss next time. It feels like there's a bit of a curse around this offensive player or offensive rookie of the year, like speculation and injuries because Chris Olave was like we talked about that and then he got concussed and then Brees Hall was kind of top of the list and he got hurt. Keep Garrett so, Wilson away from this conversation, please. Kenneth Walker too. just just take him out yeah. of the game. <laughs> So I have two this week. I wanted a first shout out. Kaylee Ohio and JJ Watt for welcoming oh their baby. Yes. Adorable. Absolutely adorable. <laughs> adorable. And I don't – how early can coaches start recruiting? Yes. That's like literally what I was thinking. I mean, what sport is she going to play? All of them. <laughs> exactly. And she'll be good at all of them. Whatever I mean, she wants. Man, she is blessed. <laughs> I just, I'm so, so excited for them. Um, It's very, very cute. The other shout out I wanted to give, um, as much as I crop on the Browns quarterbacks, uh, Jacoby Brissett held a Halloween party for underserved children in Cleveland. And the pictures were very cute. He was Mario. (laughs) Um, So shout out to him for, you know, engaging the community and doing something really, really great for for kiddos and it's that so cute nice. who Aww. doesn't love halloween we love that wow he's always seemed like a nice guy i've always liked jacoby Brissett. he's trying he's really trying his best out there i mean he's put <laughs> in a terrible situation right. and yeah like we can blame him for maybe there were a couple games that and i will put on his shoulders but at the end of the day like it's not all him there's other players on the field so 
Right. And what he's doing off the field, that's truly what matters. Come on now. Um, it's what's going to survive long after his playing career is over. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.